This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the top roast podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever that you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now our new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Area, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and... What's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go we... way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. 
and most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland. We are brought to you by the MLW Radio Network. Please check out all of the fine podcasts over on MLWRadio.com. You can also catch this podcast anywhere fine podcasts are made available. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, FM, Player, and iHeartRadio. We are absolutely free. So if you enjoy podcasts, please, by all means, go ahead and continue to listen to us and subscribe to those platforms. And if you know a wrestling fan or just somebody who likes to enjoy listening to podcasts and people uh, just talking back and forth and having some fun, go ahead and send them a link to our show. We're always looking to uh, to gain more listeners because guess what? The more, the merrier. All right. So many things I want to talk about on this week's show. WWE had their big backlash pay-per-view in Puerto Rico. We're going to talk about that. We got some AEW news we're going to talk about. We're also going to be talking about what's going on with Drew McIntyre. seems like there's a lot of rumors that are going on with Drew. looks like uh, some contract situations are coming up with him right now. We're also going to be talking about what's going on with this World Heavyweight Championship Tournament and why does it kind of baffle some wrestling fans. We're also going to be talking about the big feud that's happening right now between Cody and Brock Lesnar. Why is it in some ways we're just all in the dark about why this feud is even happening? All of that and so much more on this episode. But before we go any further, let me go ahead and bring him in. He's my brother from another mother. He's the man from Canada. He is the woodworking man of the world. His name is Christopher Butt. What's going on, Butster? This is it, Michael. Uh, another Tuesday night. Get together. Talk to you. Uh, things are good. Woodshop is busy. Working on some new toys. Living a good life. Living a simple say, life. You know, Santa takes off some months, but the Butster never takes months off from the uh, from the shop. You're always working on stuff, always working on new projects, always working on new toys. Is there uh, is there any new toy that at least it's in the conception mode that you're thinking about doing, but yet haven't really put it down into a sketch or a design yet? Oh, uh, there's one I want to get to it's in a book that i bought it's um it's a car carrier okay so it's got a truck on the front trailer with it and three little cars and it all locks in together kind of like a puzzle oh that's really cool i to work on that i haven't got to that one yet i just started working on helicopters and planes actually this evening for the show and i want to start doing some animals I don't do a lot in the way of animals, so we'll see. I'm trying to tell Linda I need a new bandsaw to start making animals. Making that I'm full of shit, but I'm still going to try. Making the animals for the kids, however, Papa needs uh, more tools, right? Exactly. I don't get paid, so at least I can do is get some new tools. But outside of that... You're not going to hear me complaining. Things are good. I have no complaints. 
How about you, Mike? You're doing well. The family's doing well. Yeah, everything is good. Uh, like you and I had kind of talked about before, um, things are calming down here in the Freeland household. Things are kind of getting into a kind of a, a more of a routine right now. But I, I tell you what, I've said this before. I'll say this again. I give my wife all the credit in the world. Um, she has done such an amazing job. And with I've learned so much from her just from this process. And you know what? Being a parent is uh, is no joke. It is not easy, but she definitely takes everything in stride, and she does an amazing job. So to all the, the female listeners out there, um, if you happen to have a child or thinking about having a child, I tell you what, kudos to you because uh, you guys are definitely the chosen ones on this planet. I agree. Um, let's kind of first talk, talk about what happened on the, the big backlash pay-per-view. Now I know obviously that was, uh, this past Saturday, a lot of matches went down. Uh, the butster, you were texting me, telling me you caught the, uh, the show itself, uh, just kind of an overall before we get into the nuts and bolts here. What'd you think of the show? I thought it was excellent. Uh, Brandon and I were texting during it and after it as well. Brandon comes on every once in a while. Uh, we both came to the conclusion they need to stop having events in the States. Because it seems like whenever they do a show international, it's amazing. They did the show in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Great show. Right here to do Backlash in Puerto Rico. That was a great show. There was it's nothing really wrong with that. I'm also being a sarcastic smartass when I say stop doing them in the States, but when they do an international show, it seems to be quite the event. Uh, anybody who didn't enjoy Backlash, I don't know what to tell you, man. It was good. Sure, it had some bumps. They all do. But that was a great show. Yeah, it, it is funny you mentioned, hey, you know, shows in the States are getting a little dry. And here's the reason why I think that. I think wrestling fans in the States, there is an oversaturation. I mean, you have AEW. You have WWE, you have Impact Wrestling, and you have a ton of independent promotions. And I think if you're a diehard wrestling fan, you're basically jonesing to go to these different wrestling events. And I and, and I noticed this. I don't know if WWE does this, but I know AEW kind of hits the same markets too many times. And I feel like when they start to branch out into other markets, things start going a little bit better, but you can't keep hitting the same towns. And, and we talked about this before. If you go see AEW, let's say in January, you're not really ready to go back and see them in, you know, April or May yet. Not enough time has passed by. And not to mention also ticket prices we've talked about are extremely high, even more so international. But it seems like the parts of the world that don't get wrestling on a consistent basis. Now, there is wrestling in Puerto Rico, don't get me wrong. But I mean something to the style of WWE, something to the, the grandeur of WWE. Um, it doesn't happen very often. So when something big happens, a big spectacle like this, it's going to be a great crowd. And that crowd was in it from the word go. And I don't know if I've heard many crowds... Um, that have been that into a show. Would you agree that the crowd definitely made the show? The crowd was a major part in the success of that show. 100%. That crowd was in it, like you said, right off the hop, just ready to go. They would have cheered damn near anything. 
There was nothing going to stop them from turning. They were rabid. It was great. You can't tell me that the talent doesn't get a little extra giddy up when the crowd is like that. You Amen. know that they're feeling it. You have to. Anybody does. And if you get, I don't know what to add, 15, 18,000 people there at the event, and everybody seemed to be losing their mind steady, the talent have got to love that. They've got to enjoy it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed The crowd was just as big of a part of that event as what the talent was, really. Yeah, um, I want to go over to our friends over at Bleacher Report right now. Um, they're kind of giving us the the rundown of all the matches, and let's kind of go through some of these. Uh, the show starts off with a video package featuring Bad Bunny. Then Eos uh, Sky's music hits. She definitely was the right choice um, to, to have come out here in the opening match. It was interesting because Bianca Belair wasn't necessarily acting like a heel, um, but she wasn't acting as much of a baby face. And it was really interesting to see how the international crowd kind of accepted them in these different roles, but they both went at it tooth and nail. And I think it really shows there's two different things I took away from this match. Bianca Belair is an established star. And I think that she is very much, this is my opinion, very much on the level of a Charlotte flair. And I think uh, Io Sky, formerly known as Iro Shirai, is the perfect counter to her. And when you get two people who work together so well, it doesn't matter who wins or loses. I mean, I feel like that's a, that's a, something some wrestling fans get hung up on. But they just gelled incredibly well. The match was really, really well. Bleach Report gives this match a grade of an A. Uh, any takeaways that you had from when you were watching this opening match? Well, I love that match. Uh, Bianca Belair on the same level as Charlotte. That's a bold statement, Mike. Uh, she's good. She's very good. Don't get me wrong. Wow. that's You're you're an elite category at that point. Charlotte cool. is a big deal. She's well on her way. I just don't think she's quite made it to that yet. I'm not trying to argue with you. No, but, but let me ask you this. So if, if we still stay... Or if other wrestling fans say Charlotte Flair is definitely uh, above her. What does Bianca need to do to get to that Charlotte tier, maybe in, in the eyes of other wrestling fans, or maybe in your opinion, what what is that that difference between here to here? What is that? A little more time. A little more time is the champion, I, I think. And uh, Bianca's very good. And great power moves, I and mean, she is strong, strong, strong. She can be a little, no, that's what I'm looking for. Reckless? No, I think, I don't know, reckless might be a little strong. But like me, when she dropped um, uh, EO Sky, when she did the one arm uh, gorilla press, military mm -hmm. press, she does botch a little bit. And I, I know I'm nitpicking at this point right now because, I mean, she's damn good. Don't get me wrong. But I think Charlotte might be a little more polished than Bianca is. But Bianca's well on her way. When when I say she's not at the Charlotte Flair level, I'm not saying Charlotte's leaps and bounds at her. Not at all. I just don't think she's quite there yet. Well on her way, definitely going to get there. No doubt about that. 
just maybe a small step behind still, in my opinion. I can respect that. Um, let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about Omos versus Seth Rollins now. Obviously, no, Seth- no, no, no. No. Seth Rollins picks up the victory in 10 minutes and 31 seconds. Um, the one thing I do want to say, when it comes to Seth Rollins, I don't think I've ever seen a bad Seth Rollins match. Seth Rollins is one of those guys who, much like Eero Sky, um, can be in there with just about anybody and, and make things look really well. Now, let's talk a little bit about Omos, the Nigerian giant. I will say this right now, and I know a lot of people are not high on Omos. However, I've seen interviews with the guy, super humble, is very dedicated to the craft. Um, I think he's gotten better. Now, when I say better, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's all of a sudden, you know, big man Kevin Nash level or fill in the blank. But I do think he's improved. And I think he's young. He's strong. He's intimidating, and I think he's got a lot of people in the WWE who definitely can give him the guidance of, okay, let's do this. Let's do that. Make sure you you put attention on this. Um, I don't know. I, I like him. I know WWE is very high on him. I know WWE, there's been some people who say that he could be, once again, here's a bold statement, um, an intimidating presence almost to the level of Andre the Giant. Who said that? There's people out there. Who? What's wrong with them? What I will say is I actually am in turning the corner on this. I'm turning the corner on Omos, and I'm actually really thinking that I'm liking him. Um, The crowd, once again, into this a lot. They were singing the Seth Rollins song very early on. Um, and, And Omos... Like I said before, I mean, he's not taking huge steps, but he is progressing. Um, I will say this right now. Uh, Bleacher Report gives it a B minus. I think it's a fair assessment. I might have even given it more of a B than a B minus on this one. I think big things are on the horizon for almost. Now, it, many people will say, is that a Vince McMahon push right now because he likes the big guys? Or could that be something that Triple H actually had in his mind of, building up this big monster. Because remember, WWE has lost that. They used to have a lot of big monsters. Unfortunately, now there doesn't seem to be as many of them, and you need to replenish that stock. So what's your take on the match so far, and uh, why are you not really uh, feeling like the needle's moving on almost in the right direction? So first things first, we glassed over an important part of the Bianca Belair match. Okay. Bailey. God lover. She's gorgeous. So now we'll move on. Those pants she had on were dynamite. So now we'll move on past that. We got that little segment then. <laughs> Almost has gotten better. Yes, I agree. He has. He's still got a long way to go. Is he ever going to be in the Andre the Giant category no not at all i don't he doesn't have that presence like andre was a giant andre the giant almost as a very big man don't get me wrong man. i think he is legit seven foot tall not that's no factual the guy's a 
big big dude. He's got a, he's got an intimidating look to him. I don't think he's ever gonna get to anything spectacular. Uh, not cutting him up. If he had a match with somebody, well, basically not Seth, because he can have a great match with anybody. I mean, he'll he's a bumping machine. He can work. He's fantastic. He'll make everybody look like a million dollars. Right? I mean, so you got to take that, in my opinion, with with a grain of salt. Okay. You know, if you put almost in with, I only. Put him in with Braun. Two giants. Two big, strong men. How does that match go? How do you think that match pans out? I don't know. You remember almost in Brock? Yeah, that, that didn't that, go. That wasn't well. good. And Brock can wrestle. Brock's a very good wrestler. He is. Right? Almost, he's got to always go, I think. Don't think he should be on the main roster, honestly. Okay. I think he would do better with a little bit of seasoning in NXT. Just get him a little. It's a little late now. I mean, you couldn't send him to NXT now. That that ship has sailed. Right. He's, he's received too big of a push now to, to ever go back. It's just not going to happen. Right. He he just he has a ways to go. He has definitely gotten better. There's no doubt about that. He's gotten way better than he was. Still has a long way. It's just a very limited moveset. Uh, you're you're turning into a bigger fan of him than I am. Well, I mean, you got to look at it from this perspective, too. Like, somebody like Omos, you're not going to really have a lot of things physically he's going to do. And I think that's good because as a, as a giant, what he should be is he should be somebody who has you know, about a half a dozen, you know, big, big moves. Um, but he should be very methodical. And the people that are in there with him should be bumping machines. And he should be, he should look intimidating and devastating and walk around slowly and glare at the crowd. I think that's kind of the epitome of what a big monster heel does. And it is kind of a throwback to the way it was done back in the 80s. I don't know. I just feel like, when you look at him, he's starting to become a little bit more comfortable in his own skin. I think originally when you would see him, there was a lot of hesitation. Um, I don't know if the confidence was necessarily there. Once again, he was a basketball player. Okay, He was never a WWE quote-unquote guy. Um, if you've heard any of the interviews he's given, he basically was uh, auditioning for uh, trying out for international basketball because that's what he was as a basketball player. And then he went to a tryout and they saw how big he was and they they talked to him and kind of convinced him about the world of pro wrestling. And he said, sure, why not? I'll give it a shot. So it's it's going to take time. There's going to be a big learning curve with Omos. But I still feel like he's got the physical tools. And as you start to see him become more comfortable in his skin, um, I'm going to make another bold statement right here. I'm going to make a bold statement. Within one year, he's going to be a good promo man. Wow. I think he's going to cut some good promos. I really do. He doesn't I talk, really, Mike. I think he's going to. That'd I think be interesting. Going, what's that? It'll be interesting if he does. It'll be a great move for him. 
Great first I, career. I definitely think he's going to be a champion as well. Um, is he going to be like a WWE champion? We'll have to wait and see on that one. But I definitely think a guy like that is going to be a champion. You can put a championship on someone like him because if he's such this monster and this intimidating force, I think you can do that and you can make it believable with the audience. Um, Seth, I'm watching the match right now. Seth did is, is really, really good. I mean, everything Seth does is crisp. And it's funny because he works around Omos, if that makes sense. He interacts with Omos, but he works around him as well to build up the match. But, um, yeah, I'm feeling good about Omos. I'd like to know how many of you guys are feeling high on Omos as well. Uh, Let me know. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. We'll get to that conversation as well. At the Mike Freeland. At the Mike Freeland. Um. I guess the big thing that I am a little confused about when it came to Omos, I thought he would have more of a winning streak. I thought that they would put guys in there and it would be more like squash matches and stuff like that. Didn't necessarily happen. And uh, they kind of put him in there and he's gotten some losses to some big names, which I don't know if I would have booked him that way to begin with. I wouldn't have booked him to lose so quickly to so many big names. I mean, you want to build people up, right? Would you agree? Yes, that is true. You want to build people up, and I, so I wouldn't necessarily throw him in there with Brock, and uh, I don't necessarily know that I would have thrown him there with Seth right now. I think I would have continued that whole David versus Goliath, like who's going to be the next guy who thinks he can topple Omos? And when they all fail, I think he starts to get on a roll. I think you need to book Omos, and this sounds probably a little absurd to say, but almost like a like a Goldberg, where all of a sudden he just destroys people, and as he continues to destroy people, all of a sudden people start taking notice, and all of a sudden you really start building up to his first feud with someone. But as we've said on in many occasions, the ship has already sailed on that. But uh, Bleacher Report gives this one a, a B minus. I would have given it a solid B. It sounds like you might have given it a lesser grade. No B minus would be a fair it wasn't a bad match don't get me wrong when i say i don't think otis is or otis yeah almost is uh anything spectacular i'm not saying that i don't dig him it's just he's he's got a ways to go but that match was nothing wrong with it i think seth did the lion's share but almost did what he had to do as well he did contribute so no i'll be minus all of that I'll agree. Uh, next match on the card, we had a triple threat, which was Austin Theory versus Bronson Reed and Bobby Lashley. Uh, according to the Bleacher Report, as the United States Championship match got underway, all three men started off very hot. After the first few minutes, Theory and Reed formed a tenuous alliance, is what is typically done with the heels in triple threat matches. Now, three-way bouts play to usually a specific way. The heels always dominate most of the action until one of them decides to turn on the other one, and then they start brawling with themselves. However, in this match, Reed was getting a lot of positive reaction from the audience, so when Theory stopped him from hitting his top rope splash, there was uh, some audible uh, jeers and boos from the crowd. Now, as far as Bobby Lashley is concerned, he still had the support of the entire crowd. But I felt like Bronson may have been the preferred competitor in uh, all three of them as far as the audience was concerned. As expected, uh, you know, Austin Theory kept the belt, which was a good move. Uh, 
Um, but you could see a lot of potential in a feud between he and Bronson Reed. All three guys came out looking really, really good. I don't feel like any of them kind of walked away with uh, losing anything as far as their credibility or their ability. Uh, the ref um, was in the way a couple of times when Theory tried to get a rolling drop kick from the apron, so it looked a little awkward right there as if maybe some cues might have been missed. Lashley delayed a vertical suplex, which was really impressive. It's always fun when they uh, get the crowd counting with that. And then Reed also went for a moonsault, uh, and it was very reminiscent of Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, Bleacher Report is saying. They give this match a solid B, um, I don't disagree. I thought each person played their part well, and I think it came off really strong. And I think, once again, it's a good idea. If you're continuing to want to build up Austin Theory, you definitely need to keep the belt on him. Too many times we see wrestlers start off hot, and they get the belt, and then all of a sudden they lose it, and it's all about them winning it back a second time. But right now they're building up Austin Theory and I think coming off the the win at WrestleMania, I think this definitely is good for him as well to continue that momentum going because you can really place him in a feud with anybody. Uh, what was your take on this match itself? Uh, I can't disagree with anything there. Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, the comparing uh, Bronson to Bam Bam Bigelow, it's interesting. I never thought of that before to be honest with you i could see it though and there's certain you know to get compared to to bam bam i mean he was he was a special cat very much so, so I'm, I'm not sure if bronson is there yet it kind of seems to be the the story of this show i think they're not quite there yet but i could i could definitely see the, the comparison for sure I mean, you gotta think he is a large man, mm-hmm. very large man, pulling off moonsaults. And anytime a man that big leaves the mat is impressive, right? And he can wrestle too. Where would you go with him if you if you were booking? What would you do with him? Um, you mean as far as a championship, or who would be in his next opponent, or yeah, how- where, where would you go from here with him? Like, do you see him ever getting to the level of a championship? It's a hard thing to say because Bronson Reed was the uh, North American champion in NXT. And, and at that time, Triple H was very high on him coming to the main roster because he thought he was groomed really well. Now that he got released, he spent some time away. He spent some time in Impact Wrestling. I think he did some stuff over in Japan as well. Um. I think what you probably want to do is you want to probably keep him with guys that are slightly underneath him just to continue that dominant style with him. Because if you want to continue to build him up, I think that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to have him just squash people and, and just go through people left and right until he ends up getting a shot at, at a title. Now, here's the funny thing about championships you know they're not going to take the belt off of Austin Theory anytime soon. That's first and foremost. Uh, whoever ends up winning this World Heavyweight Championship tournament is going to be the champion for a while. But I definitely think once we solidify who the World Heavyweight Champion is, I think Bronson Reed would definitely be considered to be 
in that category for the first or second feud of that champion. Because not to say Bronson would necessarily come out the winner, but I think he gets that rub. He gets that that interaction with the championship. Therefore, in the minds of wrestling fans, oh, he's now on that level. It's a perceived he's on that level. So I think that's definitely what you can do. Not going to win it, but he's definitely going to be super competitive, and I think he's going to take his game to the next level. Interesting take. Can't argue it. Um, I, I, I really, and here's the funny thing too. Like, you know, it, it's been documented for a long time that Bobby Lashley was one of the, the top baby faces in the company, and Bobby's a really easy guy to like. Um, I think Bronson himself hasn't quite established who he is per se on the main roster yet. That in itself is just going to have to take time. I think the Austin theory situation is going to be interesting because if Austin theory isn't able to get over that, that next hump, like the way I look at championships and the way I look at the stack ranking of WWE, I think you have the United States title here. You have the intercontinental title here, which is a big jump from here to here. And then you have a big jump from intercontinental to the championship itself. Um, Because think about it, like, where would you go next with an Austin theory? Where would you go next with him? Would you have him in the, in the conversation with a championship uh, winner of the tournament? I don't think he's ready for that quite yet. You know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned how some people are just not quite there. I don't think he's just quite there yet. Would you agree? hundred percent. He's so, on his way and he's going to be. Yes. He's but you got not there. Just not yet. You got to keep him in that United States Championship. I think Bobby Lashley definitely would be a contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. He's already been WWE champion. I think he would be a perfect fit to be in that conversation of whoever wins the championship. Um, I think his might even be a little bit more legit as a serious threat to a title. But we're just going to have to uh, to wait and see on that one. Um, our next match might be one of the most exciting things that I actually saw next to the Bad Bunny Damian Priest match was the Rhea Ripley Zelina Vega match. There were so many people that were saying on social media that, gosh, please give Zelina Vega the championship, even if she drops it on Raw the next week or drops it on SMAT, wherever. Just give it to her tonight because that's what the crowd was jonesing for. These two women went at it tooth and nail. According to Bleacher Report, SmackDown Women's Champion Rhea Ripley changed up her look to look a little darker, um, and she ended up wearing some white gear with purple accent boots against Selena. Now, she obviously taunted the challenger in the corner, but Vega's quickness allowed her to avoid any type of damaging punishment. She would grapple, and they would go back and forth before Ripley would hit a drop kick through the ropes. Once the powerhouse was able to gain control over the challenger, she took apart her with the riptide and then eventually the win. Uh, the match itself was fine, but the support for Zelina Vega and the crowd behind Zelina Vega. Now, a lot of people could argue, hey, they're in Puerto Rico. You know, it's it's a different atmosphere completely. Obviously, came out with the Puerto Rican flag. Um, could WWE have given her the belt? Yeah, they probably could have given her the belt. Um, but I think what you're doing is Rhea's a, is still somebody you're cultivating, right? You're still building her up. And if you're wanting to get super heat on her, 
you're going to have to put her over some favorites and continue to build, continue to build to get to this ideal place of where you see Rhea Ripley being a, a dark side version of maybe the, the level of maybe a Bailey, uh, not a Bailey, I'm sorry, um, a Becky Lynch. So don't really see Zelina winning right now. I think Zelina would need to almost kind of be a tweener, meaning like babyface, but then maybe turning a little more sinister heel. Whenever we see babyfaces do that, we start to get the feeling of the little more grittiness about them. If we see a little more grittiness out of Zelina Vega, I think we're definitely going to see her take the next step. But it was it was really good. Um, it was really fun and engaging uh, as a wrestling fan to watch this. Bleacher Report gives it a B plus. Rhea Ripley obviously comes away with the win with the ripcord. Um, what's your thoughts on this match in itself? Oh, the right talent won. Yeah, it would have been a, a fantastic feel good story if uh, Zelina had won. Of course, it would have. It doesn't make sense. It, it, even if you have her, just have it from Saturday to Monday, but you can't do that as much as we all like that feel-good story. Yep. If you do that, it just takes away from the title, makes the title seem less relevant. So they made the right decision there. Uh, I enjoyed the match. I didn't see all of this one. I had to do a couple things, so I had it on in the background. Uh, so from what I've seen, it, it was a good match. Uh, I can't give it an accurate um, grade. To, I, I didn't see it all, unfortunately. But, yeah, the fans were definitely behind her. My God, they were hot for her, well, which is what you would expect. Though. I mean, she's wrestling at home. You know she's going to get the huge pop. Right, so, but no, Rhea, you definitely got to keep the title on Rhea, and you got to keep her on her for a while. She needs to be a, like, a long-run champion, I think, just just to establish herself, because she's special. Rhea is special, right? She's well on her, I would put her, you might not like this, Mike, I would put her above Bianca Belair, in my opinion. That's my opinion. I might be wrong. It happened once in 84. So I'm, I'm about due for it to happen again. That was five. Give me a break, man. I can't. I can't really blame you. I mean, you're in kindergarten right. at that time. Exactly. Mistakes happen. But no, uh, me personally, I would put her a step above Bianca. I'm probably in the minority saying that. I think most people would say I'm wrong, which is... Not really uncommon for me, but Rhea, you need to to you know, cultivate her, grow her, and make her a monster heel. Is what you're going to do with her. You're going to make her just a machine, which they're well underway to doing, and it's definitely the right call. Our next match was a very interesting match because um, there was a lot of different influences into this match. It was Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest. First thing I want to say about Damian Priest is I liked Damian Priest when he was in NXT. He had that very, that really deep voice and, and good looking guy. And just, he had the look, if that makes sense. And he had the appeal and the charm. He had so many things I saw in him in NXT. And then they bring him up and it seemed like not really a whole lot was, was going on with him. 
And then the bloodline started. And it's interesting because it, certain wrestlers actually need to find that comfort in a group setting before they're able to break away and do their own thing. Perfect example, The Rock. Uh, Rocky Maivia with the pineapple, the haircut, they would call it. And he would come out there and he was just, you know, pumped up and happy to see everybody. And then they put him in the nation and he sat under the learning tree and he did really well. And then all of a sudden it was time for him to break off and do his own thing. But he needed that time. And I think it's the same thing with Damian Priest. I mean, he's he's there with Finn Balor, who knows how to make successful factions. Finn Balor was also the creator of the Bullet Club. He was the, uh, the original person. So I think in a lot of ways, Damian Priest has come a long way. Do I think they're going to break up the Judgment Day anytime soon? Absolutely not. Uh, especially after Finn Balor gets a big win on Monday Night Raw in the tournament for the new heavyweight championship. So I, I think it's good. But I also will say this. Damian Priest is bound for bigger things. But when you had somebody like Bad Bunny, who is you know self-proclaimed big WWE fan since he was a kid, he's an international star, He's way popular in Latin America and you put all of that together and you almost look at Damian Priest and say, okay, man, we're going to give you this opportunity. We need you to kind of work with this guy. This guy is limited. He's got a lot of excitement, but you are going to have to be the one who really pulls this thing together. And Damian pulled it together. I think when he got back behind that curtain they were absolutely over the moon with his uh, portrayal of his character in that match and the way he interacted with Bad Bunny. He sold like a machine with Bad Bunny, made him look, made him look like Bad Bunny was just this wrecking machine. But in reality, it was a lot of Damien uh, selling to the crowd that Bad Bunny was really doing more than what he really was. But when Bad Bunny needed to be put in his place you allow Damien to still look like that big intimidating monster. Uh, the outcome was definitely a, a fan type of deal. In my opinion, it was to, you know, get more exposure for WWE. It was to, you know, make uh, bad bunny look good, obviously get more press. He won against the WWE superstar, but Damien priest is, is not long before he ends up getting gold and, I think you might see some fractions or uh, some fractures in the bloodline as this thing goes along as where some people may be thinking they're ready to spread their wings and fly on their own. But hardcore match, man, there was uh, chairs. A lot of chairs were used, especially by a bad bunny, kendo sticks. Uh, there was a shopping cart that he was pushing and garbage cans and all this kind of stuff. Are you a big fan of the matches that it's an anything goes where the clear underdog just uses weapons to beat the tar out of his opponent? Yeah, it doesn't bother me. As long as it doesn't get overdone. Like, I don't want to see it in every event. But every once in a while, sure. Well, a hardcore match. Because what else are you going to do with Bad Bunny? Because I was a big fan of that match. I, I found it excellent. Way better than I anticipated it being. If, if we're being honest about it, I had I didn't think that was going to go well. I, I had very low expectations going in, and I was wrong. It, that match blew me away. Yes, Damien carried the match, and everybody knew that was going to happen. 
Bad Bunny didn't look bad. No. He didn't look like he was lost or anything like that. Right? So, yeah, you had no choice. If you're going to make him put him in a match and have any any amount of time to it, because you're not going to have him do a straight-up match. He, he couldn't. He couldn't do that. And it's not to cut him up or anything like that. He's not a wrestler. Right. So he just it just would not work. It had to be a match, something like this, or like, you know, a three or a six-man tag, or you'd have to do something like that where he doesn't really have to do much to get over. But for for this match, where he's from, you know, because he's from Puerto Rico as well, he's huge there. You know, he has a match like that. Not that Damien suffered from it. You don't look at Damien Priest and like that. He's a bum. No, not at all. Right? There's no way. You probably look at him better. Yeah, he lost, but you know, wins and losses aren't as important in wrestling as what they would be in, well, any other sport, really. So, no, I, I enjoyed the match. Uh, I thought Bad Bunny and Damien Priest put off a, a great show. Uh, they they and some of their shots they laid them in too. They were they were not like little. No. They weren't letting up. They weren't like little sissy shots. They were Maybe laying it shots. Yes, in right. Maybe a little. Well, I don't know. Maybe a little too stiff. A couple of them were, but Bad Bunny took his bumps too. I was gonna and say, don't, don't just think he laid it all in on Damien he and took his lumps like a like he, a professional. He did. I mean, he took it too. He gave it. But he took it. So I had nothing but respect for that match. Bad Bunny, you know yourself, I don't fancy, well, I don't fancy rap. Uh, that's what he does, isn't it? He's a rapper, I think. I believe so. And, and I don't generally fancy when they bring in gimmick wrestlers like that because it's usually a dud. But that match, I'd watch it again. I'd watch it again tonight. No problem at all. And I would still be entertained. That was a very good match. I think what made also the match really interesting was they had that kind of, it was like an intermission, if you will, because you had Judgment Day came out, and then the LWO came out, and then you had uh, Carlito come out, then you had Savio Vega come out, and there was a stare down. It felt like, maybe it's just me, but it felt like there was like an intermission in the match. All of this turmoil happens. And then once, obviously... The LWO runs everybody off. They have obviously their their posing and whatnot. They end up going back into the back. Savio looked freaking amazing. He's in phenomenal shape. Carlito looked amazing. I mean, he's just he, he's what put a on muscle. He looks great. Yeah, he looks like a million bucks. He yeah. coming back? You know what they said right now that it was a one off. Um, but he would be very open to if WWE ever had something for him. I think it might not be a bad idea to maybe go down that road again and see what Carlito can bring to the table because obviously people are going to get over from being in Latin America uh, and Latin American talent, but he just was more polished. He just had more confidence in himself as opposed to what we had seen before in Carlito. Uh, did the apple spot. I thought that was great. Savio did his spots. Everybody got their stuff in. Um, Dominic and Finn Balor were out there. And then 
Rey Mysterio comes out with the the LWO and they kind of do their thing. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to eat a little crow. Dominic, as far as a performer, is better than I had originally given him credit for. I think he's coming around with his matches. But man, as far as being a heel in this early on in his career, I think he's really progressing well. That's fair. I'll give you that. Uh, to, for me, this it was a Savio. I was a big Savio fan when I was younger. And when you, when you seen him on it, that just, I popped for it. I mean, here I'm, I'm 44 years old. Kicking back in my recliner, watching wrestling. And then I start hooting and hollering. And my wife comes out and looks at me. And exactly like you're doing right now, just shakes her head and turned around and walked back into the office. No doubt muttering to herself, why did I pick him? Where did it all go wrong? <laughs> what the hell? Right, but no, that that match was very good. That was, I'll go this far, Mike. Yeah, to me, that was a match of the night. Uh, I, it might be hard to argue with that because. Right. So when you when you talk about a match of the night, let, let's just kind of break down. When you say match of the night, what are some qualifiers that you have to see to say, you know what, I think that was the best match of the night? It obviously is not just in-ring action, but what are some of your other variables? It's just the match that got me the most excited. Right. To, to me, I, I just book it as, look at it as that. What match got me the most excited watching it? Like If I'm going to watch, I'm going to put on Backlash tonight, and I'm going to put on one match to watch. Which one is it going to be? And to me, it's that one. You know, you had everything you wanted. You know, you, you have your, your run-ins. You have some big spots. You know, you get some weapons thrown in there. It was a very enjoyable match as far as I'm concerned. It was everything you want. I'm a big fan of the nostalgia factor, too. And when you see Savio come out, because that's what you're going to generally get with, with a match like this. If you have run-ins, it makes sense. Because once again, how far are you really going to go? Even with a with a hardcore match with Bad Bunny, run-ins is not a bad idea just to get it over a little bit more. And you're trying to bring back the LWO. Here you're having it in Latin America. You know, It was just that match to me had everything that you wanted. And when you start bringing in legends and whatnot, everybody gets excited when you bring in the legends. You don't want to overdo it because then nobody cares anymore. But when you bring it like that, like, when's the last time you seen Savio Vega? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, exactly. It's been a while. When's the last time Carlito was on WWE? Oh, my God. Exactly. It's I been couldn't tell you. Time. So, you know, when you bring people back like that, and especially Carlito doing the Apple spot, listen, that's disgusting. And that would infuriate me if somebody did it, <laughs> right? But you pop for it. You see it. When you see the apple come out, you can't tell me you weren't happy. You were like, yeah, lay it in. Give it to somebody. Everybody was. Everybody enjoyed that match. So it's just it's an accumulative effect. And to me, that was the match. 
you got to think about this. Um, once again, we've already given, we've already heaped praise on Damian Priest for for really making the match look better than what it it would have been. Mm-hmm. But what I will also say is, Bad Bunny did hit two Michinoku drivers, which I didn't expect that to happen. And then he also hit a Canadian Destroyer, which. Once again, I did not see that coming. By the way, props to uh, everybody for enjoying the Canadian Destroyer, but Amazing Red created that, and uh, I feel like a lot of people don't really understand how much, how over that is. And by the way, the Spanish Fly, that was SAT, the Spanish Announce Team, and they have done so many different things that have been used in the world of wrestling, but never get the credit. So, oh, it's a Luthez Press. You know, why don't they say... Well, that's a, a Spanish announced teams, you know, a Spanish fly or something to the extent of where you're actually giving credit to the people. Uh, but I digress. I think he hit some good moves. I think he got the crowd energized and uh, and Bad Bunny comes with the win. Bleacher Report gives this one an A, and I am not going to disagree no. whatsoever. You can't. No way you argue that. A, 100%. Moving on, the Usos versus, oh, I'm sorry, the Usos and uh, Solo Sokoa versus Matt Riddle, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens. Um, this match was interesting, and it was interesting because we started to see what they may be teasing as some cracks in the bloodline. Now, obviously, we know this upcoming Friday, we're going to see Roman Reigns return to SmackDown to probably address these issues. But Solo Sokoa um, is a big monster heel, and I think he's going to get a lot of sympathy with the audience because he probably feels like in the group, he's kind of the redheaded stepchild. And I think he's ready to break out and be his own man. And if you see what was happening in that match where he almost gave the spike to, I believe it was Jimmy, uh, at the end, and and there's all this bickering going back and forth and blind tags being made into the match and a lot lot of jaw jacking going on between all three of them, I'm really curious to see what WWE is going to do with that as far as this Friday night when Roman Reigns comes back to really kind of solidify what the hell is going on in in the bloodline. Um, I like the match a lot. I'm curious to see how long Sammy and Kevin are going to keep the championships. Now, as we know, the draft recently happened, so anyone who's a champion actually can go, from what I understand, back and forth. They can go to both shows. The free agents can go to both shows as well. Um, so I'm kind of curious about how that's going to work. You and I talked about this earlier. You know, as much as we're not thrilled about Roman Reigns having two championships, are we necessarily that happy about having Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have both championships? I'd rather not. If if you have one champion or one team, however you want to look at it, having two titles, it it takes away because to me. You're further ahead to have two championships. No sudden you have one on each show, just because it'll make both shows seem more uh, relevant, more important. Uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for here. Versus, okay, Roman's got the belt. 
So SmackDown is got both belts. So SmackDown would be your number one show. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Raw's always been the number one show for, well, you know, on and off, I guess. But it's generally speaking, Raw is your number one show, your flagship. You'd be further ahead to have the two different championships. That or you get rid of one. If you're going to have one person carry him, then obviously one title doesn't matter. Um, am I completely right out to lunch on this? Or No, I don't think necessarily I would say that. I think when it comes to WWE, I think what WWE their goal was, and I think obviously they realize this, unfortunately how AEW has not realized this yet, but a lot of people don't realize WWE had such a big roster, and I think that's why they instituted the draft, meaning to have two different shows. And when they decided to have two different championships on each show, basically they were treating each show as its own entity, right? So I think that was a good move. It was definitely a good move. And I think you're right. You have to separate the championships because somebody who tunes into Raw who may have their favorite stars on that show, well, they want to kind of see the titles in the mix on their show. People who watch SmackDown want to see the titles mixed around in theirs. So if one guy or one tag team holds everything, you're not really spreading the wealth around to obviously have these other competitive matches with other teams, potentially for number one contenderships, championship matches, and it gets a little stagnant. I think what you want to do is you definitely can have somebody have all the titles because I believe at one point in time, the horsemen had all the championships. And then at one point, the NWO had all the championships. So it's great, but that can't be a long lasting thing. It, it just really can't, in my opinion, unless you have a very unique situation. I think they need to split them back up. Yeah. And I think Sammy and Kevin need to have one championship. And I think they need to have the, the SmackDown championship go um, to, to somebody else. I mean, it's, it's clear that the reason they gave them both championships was because it was the big feud between them and the bloodline. And it was a winner take all right. And now that's over. I think we can start settling into something other than the bloodline feud. Do you think WWE is ready to move away from the bloodline? Or do you think that they're still going to kind of keep this thing going as long as possible? They're going to keep it going as long as possible because what other options do you have? Another conversation we've had, who else can we put in there? Really, there are a few tag teams, but there's nobody that, yep, they're the ones. I don't know, it's, it's a lack of options. Right? So yeah, I think you're going to have to keep running this back as much as I don't like it until somebody else becomes relevant. How you have somebody else become relevant if you don't ever give anybody else a chance, that's a bit of a hook too. So it's a, it's a tough spot they're in at this point. I think it's also interesting that there was something around the, the ballpark of 18 call-ups from NXT. You're going to need to start getting these people developed. And I think that's kind of where I would be if I was Triple H right now. I would want to start getting these guys developed. 
because not to say that your current, you know, the Usos and Solo are not considered the future because they are because they're still young. But I think you also need to start factoring some of these new stars in. And you got a lot of things going on. So I think you need to spread the wealth out a little bit. I think you need to keep the title separate on each brand just to make it a little bit more competitive and exciting. And hey, that's just my opinion. I may be completely wrong, but that's just kind of what my thoughts are. And it seems like you and I are kind of on the same page with that. Well, I agree with you there for sure. So, um, Bleacher Report gives this match a B. Once again, Bleacher Report gives this one a B. That kind of seems like the overall theme so far in the show. A couple of A's, but mostly B's. Once again, like you even said before, really, really good, but just not quite yet. Um, this has to be the most confusing thing. I mean, I've been scratching my head ever since this is this whole thing came about. Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes. So those of you who maybe not be super familiar with the situation, Cody Rhodes ended up losing uh, to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Now, the reason why he lost was Solo Sokoa came in and ended up hitting him with a spike, and he ended up getting speared by Roman Reigns. One, two, three, that is it. Well, the next night on Raw, it looked like they were going to do Cody Rhodes and a mystery tag team partner versus uh, the, the Usos, or Roman Reigns, or it was Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. So Brock Lesnar comes out, and everyone thinks, oh, this is interesting here. Cody and Brock versus Solo and Roman should be really, really good. Well, Brock turns on Cody, but we've never really been told why did Brock turn on Cody. Now, the one thing that they did hint around about, this was super, super early, was that Brock Lesnar was unhappy the fact that he was the opening match at WrestleMania with Omos, as opposed to why Cody Rhodes was getting all this attention after he'd been gone for so long. Now, that was the first initial thing that they had said. They haven't readdressed anything more about this feud. So let's fast forward to Backlash, where we are at right here. The two guys are going to be battling it out for a feud we have no reason as to why. Um, before I go into my take, Butster, what was your thoughts on Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar? kind of seems to be a bit of a trend we're going to go with tonight, apparently. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know where you go with it. I don't know how you tried to make it. Just why. What happened there? Was it lazy, lazy writing? Was it a panic move? Did I don't... I, I just don't know, Mike. I... I wish I could come up with something so I didn't sound like a complete moron, but I just don't know because I just don't understand it. I, it was it was weird. They had a damn good match, but it was it was just weird how you jumped to that conclusion. It was didn't seem like a lot of lot of um, planning. Well, there was there was some thoughts here that have been going forth on the different podcasts. And, and what I mean by that is like busted open radio where people were saying that they didn't feel like Cody actually had enough setbacks and challenges. Like his road to WrestleMania's title shot with Herman Reigns was about as easy as it gets, right? The parting of the Red Sea, he walked right through. 
So what they're trying to is what some podcasts are saying is the whole hard times um, slogan that his father Dusty had. Hard times breed better men, obviously getting through to that next step, never stopping, continuing to grind, to push no matter what happens to you, you how many setbacks you have. So I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, you know what, we're going to show the true grit in the heart of a champion when he loses to Roman Reigns on WrestleMania, the largest stage. They show him in the ring uh, sitting there and just the level of devastation. They show him coming back and still not wanting to give up, going against Brock Lesnar. Now, I will say this. The the match itself, um, I always feel really bad about the way they handle these things because what they end up doing is instead of it just being a straight-up match, they end up having to beat up Brock before the match even starts which is a problem for me because it's almost as if they've built Brock up to, if you don't cheat or you don't have weapons one-on-one, you are at a severe disadvantage and you probably won't be successful. So Cody comes out here, attacks him from the word jump, goes after him. They continue mentioning the end of the bell hasn't even rung yet. But Brock is just impervious to this. It's almost like he's a superhero and they have their match. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, you know, Cody Cody should win this match. You mean They're not going to have Cody lose back-to-back matches right now. Cody's got to win. Um, so they did have Cody win, but it wasn't in a uh, convincing style the way they ended that match. And something very interesting, Buster, you and I talked about this. Brock bled. And they're trying to Ooh. keep blood out of WWE, off of the camera. But it seems like not all the rules apply to Mr. Brock Lesnar. Am I correct in that? Well, probably. What's Brock Lesnar? Let's be honest. So he bleeds. He goes back. They chew him out. What's Brock going to do? Tell him where to go and how to get there and leave? Pound salt. All right, cool. I'm going back to Saskatchewan. I don't care. Yeah. Right? He's loaded. I mean, he doesn't need this aggravation. If they're going to ride him, and he can do whatever hell he wants. And he can very easily just take his ball and go home. And that's that. And he will be A-OK for the rest of his life. And so will his kids. And that'll be that. And he knows it. And they know it. And Brock would not be above doing that. If they crossed him, I could totally see him saying, you know what? Go to hell. Get bent. I'm done. Don't call me. I won't call you. Just kiss my ass and leave. He did it before. He's, he's in, you would assume he's in a much better financial situation now than what he was when he did it. Was it 15 years ago? or Roughly, or yeah. Right? I mean, he's done fine for himself. He'll do whatever the hell he wants. And they know he'll do whatever he wants. And that's that. Later, lump it. This is what you get with Brock Lesnar. I think also with Brock, Brock is in a real special situation. Like we've often read in the dirt sheets that rules don't apply to Brock the same way they would everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently read an article about certain substances when they test in WWE that Brock might not have passed certain tests, but he is not going to be 
you know, reprimanded for that. Brock can get away with doing certain things other people would definitely not get a, you know, a free pass by. Because Brock is such a draw. And I think in some ways, you know, Brock has earned that. But I also feel like there's a chip on Brock Lesnar's shoulders, too. Like, he feels like he can walk into wherever he is and do whatever he wants. Maybe that's just the perception that, that they've created about him. But Brock definitely amplifies a show. Whenever you hear that music hit, you know Brock Lesnar's coming out. You know it's going to be an ass-kicking. I mean, it's just the way it is. And I think... I still think they're trying to do the Cody, you know, the Rocky story, you know, literally taking it step by step, climbing, getting so far, get knocked back down, climb so far, get knocked back down until finally he's able to get that triumphant victory. But this match was brutal. This match was violent. Um, When Brock bled, he bled. I'm not talking a little blood. I'm talking Ric Flair facial blood. Um, I'm talking John Cena uh, facial blood. I'm talking Eddie Guerrero facial blood. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check that out. Um, Overall, I wasn't unhappy with the match. Um, I did not like the ending. I thought the ending was very anticlimactic. Bleacher Report gives it a B+. Um, I think I might go a little bit less than that. This is the first time I'm disagreeing with them. I'm probably going to go maybe B um, just for the simple fact that I didn't feel like they tapped into everything they could have. I feel like there was stuff that was left on the table here. Um, when it came to the, the finale of the match, so basically Brock was going for, I believe it was a Kimura, and then Cody Rhodes used his own momentum and ended up pinning Brock's shoulders to the mat, one, two, three, Cody ends up rolling out, obviously selling the arm injury. Brock is just sitting there dumbfounded. Um, Do you think if you're building somebody up like Cody, you have him win in these ways? Or is it just, hey, man, he survived? Probably it's a he survived thing. Uh, I didn't didn't fancy the end myself. I don't know. I would have liked to see a little more pizzazz we'll say to the finish that was a bit of a boring finish it was not enjoyable there was no there was just nothing to it 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 seemed like it was almost a a bit of a panic finish i think it was right that does it not did it go that route because they were afraid brock's gonna bleed to death possibly right obviously i'm being sarcastic when i say bleed to death but the man was bleeding like yeah. a stuck pig. A lot. Right. So I'm sure at a certain point they're gonna be like, okay, let's uh let's get this sorted out. Have you seen the pictures of him? I have. Where where oh, his oh, oh. the stitches, the black eye, the whole yeah. nine yards. It's pretty it's pretty bad. Um That was that was wow. Like you know, when he was bleeding, he was legitimately you know, like you see in some matches a guy had bleed. But then they just stopped bleeding. Yes. This was not the case. He just no. kept on bleeding he just kept and bleeding. bleeding. And like and he literally had the crimson mask. Yes. His whole face was covered. It's one of the best ones I've seen in quite a while. When it comes to blood in the match, that one was wow. 
I liked it. Um, I think you're being a little hard on it. Personally, at the end, yes, could have been better. Uh, the B plus that Bleacher Report gave it. Yeah, I agree with that. But that's the beauty of it. You know, you've seen it your way, I see it my way. That's that's what makes it what it is. Well, the fallout from Backlash as far as the Cody Rhodes Brock Lesnar. Uh Brock Lesnar then ends up interfering in a Cody Rhodes match. Uh when he was in the world championship tournament. He ends up uh obviously now not being in the world championship tournament. He gets F five multiple times on the floor, onto the table. He he just beats the tar out of him, meaning Brock beats the tar out of Cody, and he keeps screaming, "Look at my face! Look at my face!" He makes a cameraman come over and get a good shot at Brock's face. It appears at the next pay per view, it's going to be a no holds barred street fight between the two of them. Once again, would this be a blow off match before Cody moves on to whatever is next for him? Or do we do a trilogy? Is this a situation where Cody wins one, Brock wins one, and then obviously Cody hit, comes back in the third one? Um, I almost feel like a good blow-off match for these two would be a hell in a cell. Uh, and I know that kind of seems like a like an easy cop-out answer for a blow-off match between these two in a feud. But I almost feel like that's kind of the only way you got to go. Because you think about it, Cody picks up a win, kind of a cheap win in, in the in the match here at Backlash. Obviously, there's going to be a street fight, which anything goes at that point. But then I think you're going to have to have a third and final match between these guys. And I think you can probably end up having this match in the, the confines of a hell in a cell. What's your, what's your thoughts? Do you think this next match is the end, or do you think they go one more after this? They're definitely going three. You can't have two. It just doesn't make sense. You're not going to have Cody beat Brock twice in a row like that. I don't think you will anyhow. Jeremy, if you're going to go the route of two matches, there's going to be a third match. You know, Brock wins this one, then you have your rubber match. That's your big blow-off. And you move on from there. Um, Hell in a Cell, I, I enjoy that. I'll watch that for sure. Because, you, you know, Cody's not opposed to bleeding. Brock's not opposed to bleeding. No. Cody will do something ridiculous. Jump off the top of the damn thing. Like he's half cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So you never know what you're going to get. Maybe Brock will try another shooting star and see what comes of it all. I think that could be great. Uh, I never thought of it until you just brought it up right now, but I think that'd be very good. Love to know what your thoughts are. Hit us up on social media. I'm at the Mike Freeland, uh, but where can they hit you up if they want to continue the conversation about Backlash and WWE? Uh, at Gotnoof2291, G-O-T-N-E-W-F-2291. Let me ask you this. Uh, also, there, you know, the big deal right now is the World Heavyweight Championship, which the bracket has uh had been out had been released they were having stars from both smackdown and raw competing for the world heavyweight championship now a lot of people right now have a a big feeling that they're going to see seth rollins end up getting the world heavyweight championship they're teasing that awfully hard right now 
what do you think? I know we talked about this. You felt like it was kind of a consolation prize. And I think I kind of agreed with you on that. But do you think that they need another title? I mean, I, I guess my big thing is I just don't really understand the reasoning for having another championship. But uh, it looks like he's going to be uh, the favorite to win the championship right now. I don't think you could really go against Seth Rollins being the champion for the simple fact that the man is very over with the WWE audience right now. Very over with the audience. He is somebody that you can trust as the champion. You know, he's somebody that's going to put on great matches as the champion. Um, would you agree at this stage, at this point? Yeah, I definitely see him end up winning. Yes. Uh, I think it's going to be him. I am a little surprised though. I mean, I know I said it to you right off the get go and was on the show or when we were just talking amongst ourselves that it was Cody's. That's what I thought. I thought it was going to be Cody's consolation prize. Like your, you know, your participation trophy, shall we say. That's what I thought it was going to be. The fact that they're going a different route, I am surprised. Uh, pleasantly surprised. Uh, why do you have it? That's one of life's great mysteries right now. I don't understand. Why you would have it? Do they need another title? So does that mean Roman is always going to have two? Well, obviously Roman's not, but whoever beats Roman is going to have two, and then that's always going to be a a two pack. They go together all the time. I don't know. That seems a bit foolish. Well, who knows? I mean, they've you would assume they've got something figured out. They have a thought process to this, maybe they're going to retire her title. Uh, I don't know. That well, might be a stretch, but it could happen. No, I think you're, I don't think you're wrong about that one. I think if they end up do retiring a championship, it's going to be the universal championship and there. will they'll keep the WWE championship. Um, I definitely can see something like that happening. It would make sense to me because why would you create, you know, a championship and then have three, you know what I mean? So if your goal is to have, in, in a perfect world, a champion in each brand, you would have, obviously, the Raw champion, the SmackDown champion. But what would be the purpose of having... So the WWE champion, I should say, on one show, the Universal champion on the other. Why would you have a third world heavyweight championship unless you plan on getting rid of one of the other ones? And the WWE championship isn't going to go anywhere. So I think if they're going to do something... I think they would get rid of the universal championship just because you've already got another title. What's, what's the point in that? How would you do that? You know, I don't know. I don't know if it would be a situation where Roman's next title defense would be a unification match, or it might be a situation where whoever uh, is challenging Roman this next time. And let's say they end up winning both belts the next night on Raw or the next night on SmackDown, they end up, you know, unveiling a new singular championship. I don't know. Makes I don't sense. know how you go about that, but I, I, I three championships, it's just too many. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Two shows, three championships. That's food. Plus, you have the Intercontinental Championship as well. I mean, you're almost continuing to push that down the ladder of importance by adding another world title on the line so but at one time the ic title was almost as important as the heavyweight championship 
well, WWE Championship, whatever you want to call it. Certain people who had it just made it prestigious. It was the working man's title, you know. It was um, it was a much more important championship. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and just uh, put this off to the side for a minute, this WWE talk. I want to jump over and talk a little bit about Impact Wrestling because I want to work more of that into our show. Um, Ross Berman is reporting in from Wrestling Inc. that Impact Wrestling has announced its first ever shows that are going to be taking place down under in Australia. Impact Wrestling is set to make its debut down under this coming summer. The promotion announced that it's coming to New Wales, Australia for a Impact Down Under tour, which is going to be happening June 30th and July 1st at the Equix Center, if I'm saying that correctly. The two shows will be part of the New South Wales government as part of the Visit Wagga campaign. Now, tweets have been promising four days of action on two marquee wrestling shows. Now, there's no word on who is going to be specifically on all of these shows or whether the shows will be taped or they will be broadcast in some other capacity. My bet is it would be taped. Uh, Impact Wrestling has done many international shows in the past, including numerous tapings in the UK, as well as taking one to India in 2017. Right now, Impact, once again, is set for a big road to Slammiversary, which will be happening on July the 15th in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Um, Steve Macklin, who is the current champion right now, is looking like he's going to get a big push as being the champion right now. I think that is incredible. I think Macklin has everything it takes to be a longtime world champion. And I even think that even when Josh Alexander comes back, I think Macklin would beat him and would remain the Impact World Champion just because at this point in time, he's your dominant guy right now. Why would you want to take the title off of him? I know that Josh Alexander's the fan favorite. I know that. But sometimes, I hate to say it, you don't feel like you should lose your job as a starting quarterback to injury to the backup. And I'm not by any means saying Steve Macklin is a backup, but once again, opportunities arise and you got to go ahead and rise to the occasion. And Macklin has risen to that right now. Impact is looking really good with him as the champion. And I'm all in favor of keeping this with him right now. You mentioned before about before we went on the air about wrestling doing more international shows, meaning North American companies going abroad. I would agree with you. I think there's so many markets out there that are jonesing for more wrestling, especially North American wrestling. I think this is great. Australia, New Zealand, wherever you can continue to extend your reach and building your brand is a good thing, especially if you're a company like Impact. What's your take? Oh, yeah. What do they have to lose for if you're impact? Get a little more exposure, you know. Uh, I'm sure a lot of talent would gladly go for a um, a, a trip to to Australia, New Zealand, or whatnot. You know, from your your holiday perspective, your exploring and whatnot. Wrestling, you would assume most of them have never wrestled in Australia. I could be way off when I say that, but I think that's probably a fairly safe bet because, well, it's, it's far. 
Plain and simple. That's really, really fair. Right? So I, I, I think it would be great if they can get some extra exposure, regardless of where it is. I think they should jump all over. What do they have to lose? They'd be hard pressed to make turn this into a dud to where you're like, man, Impact should not have gone there. there there's no way that's going to happen. With it. Well, I don't. There, no, of course, there's always ways for that to happen, but you would assume that this is going to be a pretty safe bet to go get a little more exposure. You know, maybe drop some more fans down in Australia, New Zealand, a little more worldwide exposure. You keep going with something like that because they're in a hard spot where they're not going to get a, a foothold in North America. Not a big one. Too many, like too many sharks are there. AEW, right? Those are, your, those are your big two. Impact is probably right there at three. Uh, I think maybe Ring of Honors three impacts four. How do you want to look at that? So they're there, but they're always going to play at best third or fourth fiddle. Versus if you can travel around a little bit, go that route, get some extra exposure. Why wouldn't you? Providing it's got to work out financially too. Cause a trip to Australia, one would assume, would be a fairly pricey venture. No, I agree with you on that one. Um, speaking of Impact Wrestling, uh, Trinity uh, is obviously former Naomi in WWE. She confirms what her schedule is going to be looking like as far as Impact Wrestling is concerned. Over on E-Wrestling News, Andrew Ravens is writing, Trinity, formerly known as Naomi, is working with Impact Wrestling through the month of July. The former WWE superstar recently made their promotional debut at the TV tapings and has offered an open contract for anyone to challenge her at the upcoming pay-per-view called Under Siege, happening on May 26th. And she says, I will be open to facing anyone. Now, her shows that she will be doing is 526's Under Siege, which is going to be happening in London, Ontario. Obviously, the 527 obviously will be part of Under Siege as well. Tapings 6-9 in Columbus, Ohio, June the 10th in Columbus, Ohio. And then they're going to be making a stop on June 23rd and 24th in Atlanta, GA. They're going to be coming back on July 15th and 16th to Windsor, Ontario as well. And that's going to be Slammiversary. So it looks like they're going to be making multiple trips to Canada over the summer. Obviously, so will AEW. They have a big summer tour that's set up to tour Canada as well. Um, Trinity, let me ask you this. You know, we often lump her in the category of the Sasha Banks. When Sasha left, um, we kind of agreed that Trinity was kind of like, well, if Sasha's going to do it, then I, I might as well go ahead and pack my grip up as well. Do you think she's going to find as much or maybe more success uh, branching out on her own outside of WWE than Sasha Banks did? No. Not at all. Uh, Sasha was the head of that type. Uh, I think most people would agree on that. Um, Trini's going to do well for herself. Uh, Naomi, whatever you want to call her these days. But she's not going to come close to the levels of Sasha Banks. That's just my opinion. She's, she's just. She's not as charismatic. 
I don't think she's a very good wrestler. I think she's probably just as good of a wrestler as Sasha Banks is. She just doesn't have that it. That oh, I was just about to say it's that it know, factor. You can have yeah. all the talent in the world, but it's the it yeah. factor. She just she's not. She doesn't have the charisma that Sasha Banks has, and that's the big separator. Do you think in some ways when you have somebody who is in a tag team or in a partnership or in a faction with somebody who is just super over and super just above and beyond and just everything, the other person, no matter how talented they are, they get kind of, they live in the shadows of that person. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this move to impact wrestling, wherever Sasha was going to go, Trinity was going to go somewhere else because she, she felt like, and this is me trying to think, I need to stand on my own two feet. I need to build a brand of my own, not just being associated with Sasha Banks. And if I'm going to succeed or fail, it's going to be on my own merit. So therefore, you know what? I'm going to have to take a leap of faith and go somewhere else. Instead of coming back to WWE, because keep in mind, there was offers on the table for both women to come back. But I feel like Sasha was probably getting a lot more opportunities and a lot more money thrown her way, which leaving WWE would not necessarily affect her as much from a financial standpoint. But Trinity may be, you know, maybe, I don't know what her contract was in WWE, but I think the only other organization in North America that was probably willing to give her um, some good money was probably going to be um, Impact Wrestling. And Impact Wrestling probably isn't paying her a whole lot either. A lot of times uh, wrestlers with Impact are on a uh, per-date situation instead of a long-term contract. Normally, they only sign people to long-term contract in Impact Wrestling who they feel is going to be kind of a staple instead of somebody just you know moving through. And we've talked about that. You know, a lot of times people just move through Impact Wrestling. They'll sign on for more dates, but it won't be a long-term contract. Uh, Thomas Lawson's also writing, Impact Wrestling star Trinity claimed that her exit from WWE programming last May was actually beneficial to her marriage to Jimmy Uso. She would go on to saying, really the family, family time. It was just really big to have quality family time and not have to really watch the clock and think about how many days I'm going to be home and then when I have to get back on the road. And really being able just to focus on my marriage and my relationship away from being on the road so much with WWE. Like both of us, not having to work and us being able to be at home and take caring of our take, taking care of our home. That's been a blessing. And yeah, a new layer to our relationship and our marriage. Now, as many understand, uh, that Trinity said she walked out because she wanted to do her own thing. And she wanted to stand on her own two feet. She wanted to make her own money. And she wanted to spend more time at home instead of being on the road. But we talked about this, man. That WWE schedule, unless you're Brock Lesnar, unless you're a Roman Reigns, unless you're like, like the top three guys in the company, you're on that road grinding it out all the time. And burnout is a real thing. It's a real thing. And I think with Jimmy making good money, but, you know, Trinity deciding, hey, you know what? I don't want to be, 
on the road as much, watching the clock. Oh, we got to catch this flight and leave again. There's got to be some level of comfort knowing that you can just take a deep breath and just kind of exhale. Am I right? Possibly. Um, what I personally think happened, this is my two cents. I have no insider knowledge. I mean, looked it up, to be honest with you. I think she left anticipating one or two things. She was going to earn Sasha. We're going to stay together and travel wherever and become a tag team or and stay a tag team, I should say. Or if she planned on going out, branching out on her own like she's claiming, she anticipated herself probably doing a little bit better than what she is. She would be much further ahead in WWE as opposed to Impact from a financial standpoint. Yep, a lot of running on the highway. No doubt about that. But, you know, it's a short window. Generally, they don't have real long careers. So would you not want to get that cash when you can and hopefully be semi-smart with it and have a nest type when it comes time to give it all up? Whether you give it up on your own or you have to because you're injured or whatever it would be. I, I don't think it's... She's, I think, personally, she's trying to put her spin on it that I left on my own so I wanted to explore things. I think she left anticipating things be a little bit better for her than it was, and now she's trying to save face a little bit. That's what I think happened. And you may be very right on that. Um, it may be a situation where she's trying to talk herself up, or maybe she's trying to convince herself uh, of something that's just not there yet. I think when it comes to Trinity and I'm not in a situation like this, her husband is wildly successful. She was in a tag team with somebody who was wildly successful. She's kind of just been there. And I feel like in some ways, when you feel like you've just kind of been there, you almost are jonesing for an opportunity to, to stand out and, and be your own person and see if you can handle that, that, that pressure of being the it person. And I think she's going to find out pretty quickly whether she is or she isn't. But I mean, I don't disparage. I think that it's, I think it's a good idea. She tried this because if she stayed in the world of WWE, it would have been the same thing. I don't feel like she would have gotten necessarily pushed anymore. I think that she would have slowly started becoming someone like a natty in, in, before you get upset, what I mean by that is seen as a very, very good talent, but a good talent to help get other people to the next level. And I think not everybody wants to be that person that gets people to the next level. Jerry Lynn even made that comment. You know, promoters would say, man, Jerry, like you are really good. We put you in there with all these different people. And Jerry would say, well, well what is it that I'm not doing right? And they would say that there's nothing that you're not doing right. But once again, it depends on who the promoter is. It depends on who the promoter is. And I think she very much would fall into that category of uh, a Natty Nyhart. Uh, your your take on that? Uh, no. I don't think she's at the level of Natty Nyhart. Uh, we both agree Natty's a gatekeeper. I don't like that. But that's facts. Natty's a gatekeeper. He's a great talent. She's probably the best technical wrestler, female wrestler in WWE. Natty is. 
She's not going to get over. She's probably never have the title. She was a Divas champion, but she's never going to be the women's champion, I don't think. Unfortunately. As much as I'd love for her to. Um, I wouldn't put her in that category. Um, Trinity's good. She's a good talent. Right? But she's not. No. Natty works circles around her. Just mops the floor and, and moves on. Maybe same kind of idea. I, I, like, I get where you're going with it, but I don't think she's quite to the same level as Natty, unfortunately. Um, is somebody else in Impact Wrestling that some news has been coming out of? Matt Cardona is officially done with the company, which in some people's eyes is surprising. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp is reporting that Matt Cardona has not been around in Impact Wrestling uh, for a while now, and there's very good reason. It basically came down to what he was being offered, and he and Impact Wrestling, especially uh, Scott Demore, could not come to an agreement. Fightful has learned that Cardona is finished with Impact Wrestling. Cardona has worked with Impact for over two years, and he was never officially offered a contract. The company was hopeful that he would ink a deal that would give him more scheduled dates. Now, while Cardona was happy with the idea of maintaining uh, a per date agreement, he preferred uh, to do things maybe just on a handshake and not necessarily on ink and paper. However, that was not something that impact wanted to do. They wanted something a little bit more um, sustainable to be able to count on him. Why didn't they offer him a contract? Anyway, it was also noted that impact has been a little bit more adamant in wanting to sign contracts with people. Uh, Nick Aldis has returned to the company, but he is on a short-term contract. Now, sources familiar with that situation said it's not really an issue as far as drama between Impact and Matt Cardona. The two sides are open to doing business down the road in the future again, but he is adamant that he would be willing to return to the company if the situation is right again. Now, only time will tell if Cardona does come back to Impact Wrestling. He already has surprised fans by showing up in GCW. And he has hinted around about maybe one more run in WWE shaking things up. Now, Cardona also had mentioned before that if he were to go back to WWE, he would love to have a feud with Cody Rhodes because he believes Zack Ryder, Cody Rhodes. There's more to the story between these two than most people realize. And it's a little personal. Um all right, let's talk about Cardona for a second here. So uh, yet another person who reinvented themselves after they left WWE. Very successful. Impact Wrestling reformed his team with Brian Myers. They were very successful. He did some appearances in GCW, was the champion there as well. We know that he's done some stuff with one of your favorite wrestlers, um, MDK, Nick Gage. Right, MDK, your big yeah, murder, fan. death, kill. Yeah. So that's uh, that's something there, but you know, I feel like in some ways, and this isn't everyone, but I think some wrestlers like to keep an open working relationship in case something big happens and they can jump ship and sign with somebody else quickly. Do I think Matt Cardona's goal is to get back to WWE? I don't know if it's his goal but I think he'd be very happy if the opportunity presented himself. And I think he'd be very happy now to know that a good friend of his Cody Rhodes has succeeded outside of WWE has come back and is getting more success. 
Do you think Matt Cardona would get success, Mr. Butt, if he came back to WWE as Matt as Matt Cardona and no longer as the Broski? I hope so. Matt Cardona's fantastic. He's very good. Uh, don't forget his wife's gone back too. Chelsea Green. Chelsea He's Green is back, back as well. WWE. That would definitely give him more reason to want to come back. So, you know, one of his better friends is there with Cody. He's getting a super push. His wife has gone back. No, he's left. He's reinvented himself. He's proven that he is a big deal. Uh, you don't bring him back to Zack Ryder, though. I don't think you should. Zack Ryder, he had that run. That's a great run as Zack Ryder. Bring him back as Matt Cardona. Change it up a bit and then give him a legitimate push, though. Don't bring him back to be the whipping post. You got to make it something that's going to matter. I think that'd be fantastic. Uh, he's I would say it's probably about a 95% chance that's where he's going to end up. I don't see him going nowhere else, really. Not not if he's going to be signing somewhere, right? And, yeah, like you said, why did Impact not offer him a contract? I don't know. That seems weird. Yeah. Like the, the handshake deals, they're all well and good. But if I'm going to invest time into you and story into you, I would want some kind of a commitment. Both sides should want that commitment, realistically. Right. No, my agree. You can double-cross each other in a heartbeat just because. Because it's just like I said I would, but I didn't come true on what it would be. But no big deal because we didn't have a contract. I just told you I was going to use you tonight, or I just told you I was going to show up. Uh, in the world of wrestling, handshake, handshake deals strike me as probably not the greatest because a lot can change. So I'd, I'd want him under contract, and if I was the talent, I would want to be under contract. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about some AEW stuff. Uh, recently, Kenny Omega gave an interview with Sports Illustrated, and he mentioned a couple of things, and I'm going to get your opinion. First of all, uh, for everyone who thinks that he is kind of the MVP of AEW, as far as just his name, his stature, his matches he's had, his history in New Japan, what he's really done in his career, he actually does not think that he's the MVP in AEW. He gives all the credit in the world to John Moxley for being the MVP and the the guy who makes everything work. Um, so it seems like he's very humble in that regard. But he also said in that same interview that he knows that time is ticking on his career and he knows that it is in uh, the latter stages of his career. Now, we know that he's not a very old guy, but we do know that he has a ton of injuries that have piled up over the years from the hernias to the vertigo, to the neck, to the back, all of that kind of stuff. So when it comes to this, he's very excited to be working again with John Moxley, because if we go back just a couple of years when they had their big uh, brawl, whatever you want to want to call it a uh, no hold street fight. I mean, they tore it down now on Wednesday night, they're going to be going at it again in a steel cage match, and Omega says it's going to be violent, it's going to be gruesome, but he feels like he and John are going to put on one of the most entertaining and engaging matches that they've ever done together. So kind of a twofold question here for you, Buster. First of all, would you be surprised if Kenny Omega ended up retiring, I would say, in the next 
12 to 18 months. And my second question to you is, where does that really put him as far as the pantheon of great wrestlers of his era? Uh, no, he's not going to retire in the next year, year and a half. I don't think so. Yes, he's he's a little bit beat up, but it's a light schedule for AEW. So he's got, you can get an extra couple of years when you're only wrestling once a week. Or sometimes he won't even wrestle for a couple of weeks. He might be there, but he might not have a match. So, but you can go that route with him too. Just have him do run-ins type of thing. Give him a week off here, a week off there. Just prolong his career because he is damn good. Um, the the pantheon or whatever word you use. I'm pulling off these big fancy words to confuse me. Um, I don't know. Uh, all right. See, my issue with him is the bulk of his great matches, actually his greatest matches, were all in Japan. And a lot of North American wrestlers, wrestling fans, sorry, didn't see him or have seen highlights of them. Unless you're like a diehard New Japan fan or a diehard Omega fan, a lot of us haven't seen those matches. So it's kind of hard to really equate that because for me, I have your take on it. You've been a Kenny Omega fan for a while. Um, Some people that that used to be on the show as well in the past spoke about his matches over in Japan. Spoke very, very highly of them. And when you, you look it up online, read about it or whatnot, uh, him and Will Ospreay and him and um, Takeshita, was it? Uh, with that, Okada as well. He had. Oh, Okada, sorry, yeah, that's what I was going with. Okada. They had some great matches. Tanahashi, yeah. But a lot of people didn't see him. A lot of people over here didn't see him. So that probably hurts him a bit. Um. No, he's he's put off some great matches here since he's come to AEW, but he's missed a bunch of time too because of the injuries, because they are catching up from, because yeah. of his style. Yeah. So I don't. Well, I'm about to get kicked off the show here now, so it's it's been nice. <laughs> I don't hold him in the same high regard as you do. I'm okay. not saying he's not good. Please don't think I'm saying that, and I'm actually not just throwing the pot to get your goat here. It's just I haven't seen enough, enough. of him in AEW, because he has missed so much time that, man, he is a Mount Rushmore. He is a, a top 10. I wouldn't put him there on fortune. Sorry, Mike. I hope we're still buddies. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's probably in the gray area right now. Right, but I just, I I wouldn't put him in there. Sorry, bud. Well, let me ask you this question. So, for everyone who says they're not super familiar with Kenny Omega's work in in New Japan, um, definitely go to YouTube. You can watch a good portion of his matches. Uh, the match that or matches he had with Chris Jericho in New Japan were really good. His matches with Okada for the IWGP Championship were really really good. Um you need to go out of your way to try to find some of these matches. 
However, for those who are saying, I'm not really sure about matches that Moxley had that I think were were all that great. You might want to go back into the Wayback Machine, and you might want to look at some of these matches. So uh, these have been ranked by the Sportster uh, from 10 to 1 as far as uh, what is believed to be his 10 greatest matches in AEW. Moxley uh, or Kenny? This is Kenny. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Sorry. All right. Uh, so let's go with this one. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Pack versus Orange Cassidy at double or nothing back in 2021, which was a great triple threat match. If you have not seen that match, it's really, really good. Uh, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, the lights out match that happened in 2019. That's when they basically beat the hell out of each other. They put each other through what they call the spider web of barbed wire. They put each other through all different types of props. Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page versus the Lucha Brothers for the Tag Team Championships that happened on Dynamite in February of 2020. Definitely check that out. Um, this one was huge. Uh, the Elite in a three-way match versus Death Triangle in that Best of Seven series. If you have not seen the Best of Seven series, I highly recommend you see that. Uh, his number six best match so far in AEW was the Elite. He and... The Young Bucks, who took on, at one point, the defected Adam Page and uh, Johnny Hungy and uh, Mr. Reynolds. That was looked upon as a great match. So in, in his next one was against Pac on Dynamite. It was the Iron Man match he had with him, which was awesome. Uh, Pac ended up winning that one. That might be probably my favorite so far. Uh, the Stadium Stampede at Double or Nothing. That was a big one that he ended up having uh, with the inner circle. And I don't necessarily know if I feel like this is what I would call one of the best, but Kenny versus Hangman at Full Gear 2021 when Hangman uh, eventually ended up winning the world title after he came back from uh, paternity leave. Remember he had all that momentum, Hangman, before he went on paternity leave and they were like, Oh my God, this is going to be huge. And then he was gone for his whole paternity leave and then finally came back and it was kind of like, well, things have cooled down a lot. I think if he would have had that match, I mean, taking the baby situation out of the equation, if he would have had that match at the, at the peak of it, I think it would be regarded higher. Um, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson in 2021 at AEW grand slam. That was insane. To many people, that was considered a dream match. And then the first, the, you, you got to watch this match. Omega and Hangman versus the Young Bucks at Revolution 2020. It was a tag team match. It was what many people believe might have been the greatest tag match of all time. So, great matches. Great, great matches. But now, that's just... Oh, sorry, I apologize. Mike, carry on. No, it's, I just think there's a lot of really good Kenny matches, and I feel like it might be a situation of, you know, I really need to sit down and rewatch that a second time. I really need to see this one more time. Because sometimes at first glance, we don't necessarily give matches their proper due. But once you watch, like that, that match, the Iron Man match with Pac, freaking amazing. So good. Absolutely so good. The match with John Moxley, the lights out match, so good. Um, the the tag match at Revolution, that's all I'm gonna say is that you have to see it to believe it. You have to see it to believe it. It's just that good. 
So I think Kenny's got a lot of really good matches in AEW. Um, I just don't know. I think people look at Kenny in a different way. I think he's a little over the top. I think that his personality might not necessarily rub some people the right way. I think people are kind of sick and tired about hearing how great Kenny Omega is. That could be another thing that puts people off. Okay, enough. We've heard about this guy. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I get it. I almost think he could get some detractors just because they're tired of hearing about him. Do you think there's any truth to that? I could see that. Um, I think one thing that will give them some detractors is there's a, a very strong divide in the North American wrestling world. Yes. Team WWE, Team AEW. So mm-hmm. some people that are diehard WWE fans don't fancy anybody in AEW. So they're going to poo-poo all over them. So that that's one thing. Um, one of the big takeaways I I have from your list here is most of those matches that are listed, mm-hmm. they were tag team matches or that stadium stampede. I think that was five on five or six on six. Mm-hmm. The trios matches they're not one on one matches. Most of them are. So that that to me takes a little bit away from him. Okay. Extent. And and don't get me wrong, Mike. I'm not saying he's not good. He's damn good. He's very, very good wrestler. It's just to me, I wouldn't put him in the top ten. Then again, if you made me pick a top ten right now, I don't know who I'd put in it, to be honest with you. I guess we know Otis would be number one. <laughs> but then everybody just falls into place after him. I guarantee if Kenny Omega ended up going to WWE and he had matches with Seth Rollins, with Finn Balor, um, with Edge. I, I guarantee people with Cody, people would lose their minds. I think people would really, really see Kenny as just a very versatile in-ring performer who he's just so fluid with his body. He's just so natural at his movements that I don't know. There's not a whole lot of Kenny Omegas rolling around this world right now. You could put Kenny Omega in there with Sami Zayn, put Kenny Omega in there against Kevin Owens. Um, it would just be good matches all around. So definitely what I want you to do is I want you to take a look at the pack versus Kenny match. I want you to look it up and I want you to see it's the Iron Man match. And I want you to sit down and watch it. And then we're going to talk about it. And I want you to tell me what you thought about the match itself. What about the Spark or Death match? Moving on. Um, Just asking. Speaking of the Sparkler Death match, one man who ran in to protect uh, one of the combatants in that match is Eddie Kingston. And Eddie Kingston, as many AEW fans know, has been moved over to the Ring of Honor brand. And he had been battling against Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor world title. He recently, at a tapings, announced that he's going to be having surgery. He has some very needed hernia surgery that's going to put him out for at least six weeks. But he hopes to be back in the summertime for the big Canadian tour. Um, I like 
Eddie Kingston a lot, and I miss him being on AEW television. Would you agree that moving him over to Ring of Honor might not have been the best move? It wasn't a good move for fans. Probably a good move for Ring of Honor, honestly. Because people will go see him. If he's coming to town, you're going to buy a ticket. Or you're going to try to anyhow. So, Because Ring of Honor needs to, to establish themselves again. Right. And if you bring somebody like him in, it helps you. He will sell tickets. Plain and simple. It just sucks you don't get to see him every week. Or I don't anyhow. I just love the fact that he was like every man's man. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I liked it because he spoke from the heart. He didn't come across as being artificial. Um, he didn't come across as kind of like a, I don't want to use the word sellout, but he never came across that way. And I think that's what's kind of endeared Eddie Kingston to a lot of wrestling fans. It's just really, really good. And it's very natural. It doesn't feel like it's forced at all. So hopefully everything will end up working well for him. And uh, very, very happy to see that after his surgery, he won't be out very long. So best wishes to him. And hopefully we'll see him back very, very soon. Um, Butster, want to mention this about AEW right now. It has been reported right now that AEW has sold 60,000 tickets uh, for the Wembley Stadium show, which is going to be happening, I believe, August the 27th. And still, no matches have been announced. The place holds 90. We're already at 60 confirmed um, through not only Ticketmaster, but through uh, the various different outlets over in the UK as well. Live Nation is selling tickets as well. You said this was probably the top of your, you said 50 to 55 with an outside shot at 60. Am I correct? Correct. Yep. So they started announcing matches. We're at 60 right now. They let, Let's say by the time they announce the entire card, do you think that pushes it to 70? <laughs> you just want to see me backpedal and eat crow. I think that's all you're looking for. I just want to know if you think that, I mean, obviously 90. I don't think they're going to do 90 because they're going to set up a big stage. And setting up a stage is obviously going to take out some seats. Yes. Unless they have a small stage. If they have a small stage, then they'll be able to fit more people. But this is a spectacle. So they're I, not going to do a expect- small stage. I almost expect a WrestleMania type of stage, if that makes sense. Oh, it's, it's going to be big. It has to. They're not going to go to all this, rent this great big stadium, and put this little-ass Mickey Mouse stage out there. The image of that would be foolish. Nonsense. But you also have to think about that's going to cut down on tickets, or cut down on seats as well. Yeah, no. They're going to... I I will concede, Michael... Well, I'll go 70. That hurt me. So you'll say that after the entire card is announced, you think it will move the needle to 70? 72. It's a big swing from 50 to 55. Don't push it, Mike. Come on now. Don't be like that. 
Just thought I would throw it out there. We didn't gamble on that. Did we? We didn't bet on anything, right? We we didn't uh, because I'm a fair and humble man. But um, want to ask you a question um, about the AEW Championship. Now we've talked about, you know, Max is obviously the champion as of right now. They're going to be having a pillars match that's going to be happening um, at Double or Nothing. I can tell you right now, I don't like the concept whatsoever. I am not a fan. We we've gone over this. I'm not a fan of Sammy. I can't imagine him being champion. I can't imagine Jungle Boy being champion. You've kind of changed me a little with the potential of a Darby, but my outlook on Darby is still very not champion material. What would you say about somebody like an Adam Cole who you clearly brought him in? And I know the whole goal is to build up younger stars, et cetera, et cetera. But an Adam Cole is somebody who you have to consider in the world title category. I mean, why would you bring him back? Why would you bring him in? Um, I've always felt this way. If you're going to put a quote-unquote veteran having the world championship, there's only a couple of options you can do, in my opinion. I think you can do Claudio. That would probably be my lowest, just for the simple fact that he's not much of a talker. Claudio, I think Brian Danielson would definitely be the next level up. Obviously, he said he doesn't feel the need to win a championship, and he's never going to push Tony into putting him in that kind of category. But I definitely see Adam Cole being in that category. But if you are going to go somebody younger, I definitely could also see, not right away, but I could see Ricky Starks definitely being in that, that kind of category of a champion. Um, would you agree or do you think that you would shut the door on a possible Adam Cole uh, title run? It'd be a short run. Uh, I don't think you would put the belt on him long term, like a one-year run or anything like that. I I think if, let's just say devil's advocate here now, he, he wins, he goes over max, they work this into a story, whatever he's the person that takes the belt off Max. You're not going to want to keep the belt on on Adam for too long because, once again, he is there to put over the younger talent. Cole doesn't need it. It's, it's not like, oh, he's okay, people kind of like him, you make him a champion, now he's over. He's over. He's already over. He's not going to become a bigger deal because he's your champion. Right? Will he give your your championship a little more exposure? Of course he will. Come, he did come from WWE. Right? He's a big name. He's very popular. He's part of one of the better factions who's been in a very long time with O'Reilly and Fish. But you can't just keep putting your title on older talent. You need you need to develop the younger ones. You need to put it on them. Uh, the four pillars are not the answer. Or I guess, well, MJF is one of the four, but you can put the belt on him and it's working, I think. Uh, the other three, I'm, I don't know. Just, I don't know. I, I don't know what's missing there somewhere because the three of them are very talented, very good wrestlers. Three young fellas, but they're just not long-term champions. We've had this conversation as well. 
Uh, Ricky Starks, I like that though. I, I do like that. Right. That that could be fun. And Ricky Starks is over too, and he's a young man. He is right. A great wrestler. Right, he can talk. Why not? The only problem is at this point, you couldn't do much with him and and um, MJF. That ship has kind of sailed. They had their little little few going there for a bit. It would have it been did, nice if that got ran a little bit longer, something came of it. Versus, I, I do feel like it would have been better if it ran a little bit longer, but I also feel like Ricky's in a better place now than he was then. He is, but how do you run that back? Like you, you're, I just don't know how you're, you write that story. Because MJF's gimmick, he's a complete asshole. So if Ricky comes up like, well, I want a title, why? Why the hell am I going to give you a title shot? Right? I already beat you, Pebble. Go away. You're going to go that. and I don't well, know. You have him run through a gauntlet of guys. Well, that's, that's been done a lot of times and not even that long ago that was done. The gauntlet to, to get to a title shot. So I, I just don't stuff. know right now. Unfortunately, they, they had a good chance. And this seems to be a, a weekly thing we say. That was a, maybe a a dropped uh, a dropped plan. Opportunity. TK, there you go. That's the word I was looking for. I couldn't think of it. Opportunity. They could have ran somewhere, somewhere with that. that. That's something that had legs to it. Right? Because Ricky Stark is very good. And both of them can talk and cut each other up. Right, which which you don't see a lot when you get two like a your champion and your number one contender. They're both very good talkers that they are. That's not as common as you would think. No, I agree. Right, so uh, I'd like to see it. I just don't know how you do it right now. Um, staying on the topic of AEW, there was an interview recently done um, with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was offered a job to come into AEW and be a coach. And to be a coach and to mentor the talent. And Ricky is 70 years old. And he recently was on an interview with Captain's Corner. And I'm just going to paraphrase here what he said was, you know, I've been on the road for 40 years. This is no effect or um, nothing bad about AEW. I just... I'm kind of done doing that stage of my life. I'm done being gone all the time. You know, I've wrestled, I've traveled, I've done these things. I don't want to spend more time on the road. AEW has treated me very well. I have nothing but respect for Tony Khan. Um, unfortunately, right now, it's just not what's best for me at this stage of my life. I think getting a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat would be great, but also you got to keep in mind how long do these guys really want to do this if they don't need the paycheck? I mean, look at a guy like Arn Anderson or look at a guy like Jake Roberts. Maybe Jake's a, a different situation financially, but you would hope that some of these guys who've been doing this for forever would be in a position where they're ready to go ahead and retire and just be done. Um, but maybe not. But I, I can't imagine even being a coach or a, you know, a mentor to these talents right now at an advanced age with 
you know, I, if I got the money, why do I need to get back into the industry unless it's something you truly love and you want to continue to do it? Would, would you agree with him just saying, hey, look, I've been there, done that. I really have no desire to go back on the road. Absolutely. Like you said, he's been there. He's done that. He's a legend. Like he's an all-time legend. You know, some of the greatest matches ever are him and Ric Flair. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't need cash, and he's settled, he's in a good place with his life. Why would he? I'm sure he still loves wrestling. It's doubtful that he would be like, yeah, I've been there, done that. I'm not interested. I don't love wrestling no more. I doubt that. That industry made him what he is, made him a very successful man, probably a very rich man, or at least a very comfortable man, I think. So it's probably he's been there, he's done that, and he is 70. I mean, that's, he's not a young fella. So he probably just wants to just relax at home and, and not be bothered to, to beat around. Now, just out of curiosity, do you think part of it, I'm going to play conspiracy theory here now, is that he kind of knows what some of the locker room going on with AEW and I mean, I'm not going to do writing office. I'm not going to. I'm not going to discredit that. That was something that I thought about. Maybe he just thought at the stage of my career right now, if the talent was mature enough, because we've heard a lot about issues with maturity in the talent. That's not. That's not a secret. Maybe he's decided. I've talked to some of the other coaches, or I've talked to some of the people in the organization, or just my perception like you said before maybe it's just something he doesn't want to get involved in as of right now and he's being very kind and polite that very well could be the situation too um or we could just be looking into it too far maybe he also is just saying hey i'm kind of done so at a certain point i mean 70 and he's a he's a hard 70 like he he wrestled Yes, he wrestled in the days when you did the 300 days. Yes. You know, double shots on Saturday, double shots on Sunday. Oh, my God. You know, it it was different. Like, you wrestled hurt because you lost your spot. Whole different generation he wrestled in. Right? He was retired before any real solid contracts and, and stuff like that came around. Really, he was, or getting close to. So, no, I, I would think he's he's just, he's he's done. He's been there. He's done that. He just doesn't need that in his life anymore. He just wants to be at home, you know, on his property or his condo or whatever he has, wherever he lives. And just live a, a quiet life, still do conventions every once in a while, meet and greet autograph sessions, and that's it as opposed to really putting in the work. Right? Well, it wasn't that long ago he was here in Kingston, did an autograph session. So, Well, I mean, I think also when you're such a big star, you can make a lot of money off of photos and autographs and it's seminars cool. that you may do as well. So there's still ways to be involved in the business but not necessarily have to work all the time. And the other thing is with the coaches, they don't 
I don't know what their schedule looks like. That's the other thing. I don't know if they do Ring of Honor stuff as well. I don't know what all is is involved, but I don't really I don't blame him. Once again, um, this is a completely non wrestling note. Um, do you want to take a guess about somebody who huge actor, celebrity, male, known for being in tons of gangster movies and iconic movies? Uh, just welcomed his seventh child into the world. Would you like to take a guess on who that may be? De Niro. Yes, it is. Did you read is that? It? No. Robert De Niro at age 79. At age 79, just welcomed his seventh child into this world. Who has thought he'd be shooting dust at this point? Well, I tell you what. I guess he must still be uh, doing pretty well. The genetic jackhammer. There you go. Good on him. Good for him. Hopefully uh, the baby and mama and he are all doing well, and we send nothing but our congratulations. And uh, man, at 79, becoming a dad again, that's uh, late nights and all that stuff starting all back up again. Yep. Uh, the one last thing I did want to touch upon is we mentioned uh, earlier on the top of the show, Drew McIntyre is – uh, at kind of at a contract uh, stalemate with WWE right now. His contract ends in, in less than a year, and it's not seen that they will cut him or they will release him. However, it looks like they are not going to come to terms on a new contract. And there's also some internal rumblings that he's not super thrilled about the way he's been used, uh, the what creative has pitched for him. So it looks like that he may be on his way out. He is not being advertised for some upcoming shows as well, some big marquee shows. So I wonder if they're going to use him sparingly uh, on his way out. Let me ask you this question. Drew McIntyre, um, really, just like the Matt Cardona, just like the Cody Rhodes, just like so many people who reinvented themselves they went other places they reinvented themselves they came to wwe and became huge stars do you think that uh he still wants to wrestle and if he does where do you think uh, he'll end up if he does end up departing from wwe do you think he'll go back to impact his former home uh he'll definitely still want to wrestle how old is he mid 30s maybe late 30s at the most let me see what his age is Drew McIntyre, what's his age? Let's see. 37. 37. So he's in his you know, mid-30s still. So he's still got lots of life left in him if he chooses to. Um, he'd be a big catch for Impact. Impact is doing really good. him, though. Well, I mean, it, it just it kind of depends. Is money going to be a situation for him? Because think about it right now. you got Jeremy Macklin, who is a huge star right now. Um, you just brought in Nick Aldis, which is huge. You bring in a Drew McIntyre, and you really start kind of working that whole shuffle into the mix. And then you know at some point in time, Josh Alexander is going to come back from injury, mix him into the mix as well. They got a lot of good, young, up-and-coming talent. He could really, really push them hard to that next tier. And uh, I think it would be a great fit if he went to an impact wrestling. It would not be a crazy schedule. I think he could sign for 
decent money. And I think he would have the downtime to not have to worry about traveling and, you know, being overused and, you know, potentially getting injured. So if he leaves, he definitely would have a place, in my opinion, anywhere. Well, for everybody's going to call. Everybody will. Yes. You have to. If you run even a, a half assed federation somewhere, you're going to call. No chances you're going to be able to afford them. No, that's going to narrow it down significantly. But if he goes to Impact, he can still do indie shots. Yes. Uh, he'd be a big catch. So it'd need to be a big indie show. It's not the one at your local legion for 200 people. That'd be a little hard. But you could still do stuff like that. He could do your, your seminars, your meet and greets. Of course, I'm sure he'll still do that. They they pay well. I mean, just ask Wardlow. Oh God! So, you and the Ward, you and the Wardlow beefs right here. Yeah, well, you know, but it's, you. I would like to see him go somewhere. I I I think Impact would be great. He, he's a big fish, so he's he's gonna want to get paid, and he deserves it. Uh, I could see him going back to Europe, to be honest with you. That wouldn't shock me. There's just some fairly decent-sized organizations over there go back home. You know, makes sense. And once you're over there, travel's easy. Yeah. So no, I agree with you. Go that route. That makes sense. Um, Mexico? Well, maybe AAA. I don't know. New Japan? New Japan's always an option. They, they'll throw cash at you. He could do a tour. He could do basically whatever he wanted to do at this point in time. I mean, he's already an established name. You know, you know his name. You know, if you associate with tickets, it's going to sell. Merch is going to sell. So I think he can basically pick his own path, and I think he'll do very well. And he's still wrestling, putting off great matches. Great matches, and he's healthy. And I think that's a big thing, too. At the end, just living off his name. Right. Right. Far from it. I'd like to know what the details, how far apart they are. Are they are they far apart on money, or is it on dates or years or everything? Well, I mean, I hadn't heard about this till you told me. So it could also be creative as well. Think about that. Well, the creative thing, the wrestlers shouldn't be having creative. That's just my opinion. I know your talent. You don't get the same creative. Really quickly here on a, a complete alternate note, go ahead and straighten your shirt out there. Is that the uh... Rick Baker and new one from her and Thunder Rosa had to match? Yeah, no one seemed to have a problem with uh, Britt Baker having the uh, the blood on her face, but evidently a black eye definitely seems to be a bad thing. I don't get it. I don't understand. But you know what? So be it on that one. Um, we've talked about so many things at a WWE. The World Heavyweight Champion situation. What's going on with Omos? What do we think is happening with Cody and Brock? We've talked about that as well. What are they going to do with the championships? Are they going to split them or are they not? Um, in Impact Wrestling, we talked about Matt Cardona's situation. Recently just talked about what's going to be happening with Drew McIntyre. I think that would be very interesting as well. So we also talked about the concept that they're going to be having a big tour going over to Australia uh, with Impact Wrestling having some big matches. Under Siege is their next big pay-per-view. We'll be outlining the matches as they become announced as well. That big pay-per-view is going to be happening at the end of this month. 
AEW uh, All In 2 is already sold 60,000 tickets at Wembley Stadium. Uh, we're already over what the butt originally made his prognosis to be. And uh, the butt now says he's going to be moving that the goalposts back a little further. He now says 72,000 will be their max capacity. We'll see what happens on that one. I'm going to love it when we hit 75 just to see his response on that. We also took some time to talk about Kenny Omega. Omega, in a recent Sports Illustrated interview, said he feels like his career is coming to a close, but never really said at what point in time. He's very excited about working with John Moxley again. They've had some great matches, specifically their Lights Out match that they had in their original feud. But this coming Wednesday night, a cage match will be big. And Kenny says it will be monumental and it will be something everyone will remember. All right. Covered a lot of different things. Feel like it was a good show. Uh, anything else you can think of that you would like to say before we put a bow tie on this? Uh, no. Well, good show. Thanks for having me on. Like I always you know, I look forward to this on Tuesdays. And uh, yeah, be good to one another. Don't be a scumbag. We have some uh, exciting news in the upcoming weeks and months to tell you about this particular show. Uh, we're not going anywhere, uh, not anytime soon, but we have some interesting developments, some things that we may be doing with the show as well, some uh, different attractions, different things that we're going to be offering our listeners as well. So you know what? It's going to be a big summer, so definitely continue to stay tuned. Remember, this podcast is absolutely free of charge. You can find it anywhere fine podcasts are made available. That's Stitcher, that's iTunes, that's FM Player, and all points in between. If you know a wrestling fan who enjoys just banter back and forth about your favorite topics in your favorite promotions, go ahead and let them know all about us. It's Freeland in the Butt. The Front Row Material brand has been kicking it for the last several years, and we're continuing to go strong. Also, if you're into baseball, the boys of summer are officially back. The Pesky Podcast is your official Major League Baseball podcast. They specialize in all things Boston Red Sox, but also cover the American League East, West, and Central. They go ahead and they cover everything that's happening from division rivalries, people on the DL, who's coming back, who's hot, who's not, and so much more. That is a show that's hosted by our executive producer, The Writ. You can follow them on Twitter at The Pesky Podcast. Um, also, really quickly, I want to make an announcement here. Um, I have changed my Twitter, and it used to be at Mike Freeland. I have been having infinite issues with my Twitter, uh, not loading tweets, this not happening, tweets not going through, all this kind of crazy stuff going on. And I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to purge this. I'm going to start off fresh again. I reached out to so many people who were followers of me, and now you can find me at the Mike Freeland. Same banner, same headline, same everything, same crazy Mike Freeland talking about pro wrestling. Once again, you can follow me at the, T-H-E, M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. Uh, you follow me, I follow you. Always do follow back. So let's continue to support the world of pro wrestling and support each other that are content providers. Uh, Butsters, or anything else that you would like to add about yourself? Anything new news with you in the world of woodworking? I just uh, got into a new store uh, as of Sunday. Nice. The local shopping mall here. Uh, stores called Wilmer Wicks. Uh, the owner, Brian, and owners, Brian and Kathy. Uh, lovely people. I've known them for a few years now. Uh, we swung a bit of a deal, so they're going to be selling my toys there. 
hope they sell anyhow. They'll have them there for sale. And that's really about it. Just plugging away, working on a couple new projects right now. Just playing around, trying to figure out some new stuff. Nothing big. Just a bit of downtime right now. So just play around. Nice. And if people like to contact you about any woodworking projects or if they'd like to talk the world of wrestling with the Butster himself, how can they reach out to you? So on Twitter, it's gotnoof2291, G-O-T-N-E-W-F, 2291. On Facebook, it's CB79, Wooden Toymaker. Reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. Perfect. He is the quintessential man. If you have wood... <laughs> he oh, can work with easy, it or, easy. yeah I know I know that didn't sound as well as I thought um, in all seriousness the Butster is wildly successful and he's very talented in all things woodworking so if you have a project or you have an idea or you have a concept of something and you'd like to run it past him is this even possible what I need to do or could you actually do this for me hit him up on all forms of social media he'd be more than happy to talk to you and make your thought become reality all right for the butster for executive producer the writ my name is mike freeland it's been real and fun we will catch you next week on the front row material brand my name is mike freeland and if you're looking for an exciting wrestling podcast to add to your library then look no further than the front row material brand don't miss it it's the front row material brand brought to you by the mlw radio network